Hello. <laughs> Thank you. I know you were bribed. You guys feeling good? Yeah. Tell your neighbor, whatever campus you're at, tell your neighbor right now, say, you look good. Tell them right now, say, you look good. Make them believe you mean it. You look good. Well, those of you um, who may be just joining us, my name's Sean. I, I actually do work here. I just haven't for a while. Um, our board put me and Chad on timeout at the beginning of the summer, and so he took some time off at the beginning of the summer, and I took some time off at the end of the summer, and I'm so excited to be back. Um, let me say hi real quick to all of our locations in the Denver metro area. We love you guys. I want to say a special hello to our men and women at both correctional facilities at the God Behind Bars campuses. We love you. We're glad to be with you today. And then let's do this. At every single location, can you guys make some serious noise, like get rowdy, and help me welcome for the very first time our Red Rocks Church, Brussels, Belgium campus. We love you like crazy. I don't care if there's an ocean between us. You are every bit as part of this church as those of us in this room. So we're glad you're with us. I have uh, spent some time um, with my family. I spent some time trying to relax. I don't do that very well. Um, went to a conference, went and met with some pastors and trying to get some people to speak into my life over this summer and teach me and help guide me and, and lead me and uh, spent a lot of time in prayer and in the word. And I feel equipped and energized and ready to go for what I think God has next for us as a church family. So I'm so excited to be back. Um, I posted a picture this past week of a meeting I was in and somebody commented on it and they said, hey, we can't wait to have you back and we can't wait to hear some of your stories from, from your break. And let me just tell you, have I got some stories. <laughs> I was in the emergency room, not for my kids, I was in the emergency room three times over this break. Like this break about killed me, I'm gonna be honest with you. So I got stories. In fact, I'm gonna share one of them with you tonight. I was gonna save this one. But the truth is, I thought you, you may notice, I'm not sure, so I'm trying not to, to appear, but I've got some, some pretty serious rib injuries right now. Um, my wife tried to kill me, and uh, I'm going to tell you all about it. Um, and and so, so, so I'm pretty sore, so if you see me wince a little bit or if I, don't, if I have trouble breathing at times, that's what's going on. If you hug me after service and I cry, that's what's happening. I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm pretty sore. I sneezed yesterday and was like, Jesus, take me home. Like, I can't do this. Like, um, so, so what happened is, is our 11-year-old son was getting ready to go camping with some great friends of ours, and, and, and I was looking for a pair of hiking shoes, and I was just sure that I had put them on this top shelf in our garage. And, and so, so let me, I'll help you picture. If this is the garage, you know, the garage door opens like this, right? Well, so the shelf is up here, but if the garage door closes, then you can't get to it. It's above that, right? So you got to put the garage door down and then you put a big ladder right here and you can get to this shelf. So I put the garage door down and I put the big ladder next to the garage door and I get on top of the ladder and, and, and I'm, the shelf's about two or three feet deep. And so I'm on top of this ladder and I'm leaning into this shelf when my wife, <laughs> she walks into the garage from the house. She sees me and she thinks, oh, it's so dark in here. I'll give him some light. And she hits the garage door button. 
And literally the garage door, I'm standing right here and the garage door goes, and it hits me right here and literally pushed me straight backwards off the top of this ladder. My chest must have been, I don't know, 12 feet above ground or something. And I hit the concrete in our garage in an oil spill, ruined a pair of shoes, not happy about that. Um, But I hit, like I hit hard and my wife, it freaked her out. She thought like maybe he broke his back or his neck or something was crazy. She starts screaming, neighbors start coming. One of our neighbors is a fireman. He runs over, he's like, don't move. This could be serious. We don't know what's going on. Next thing I know, there's a fire truck, there's an ambulance. I don't know why there's a fire truck. I don't know who called the ambulance. I wasn't happy about either. And, and, and no kidding, I'm laying on the garage and in rush these paramedics. And the first thing I hear is, oh, look, it's Sean from Red Rocks. I'm like, ah, oh, awesome. They bring in this board. They're going to put me on in the ambulance. And I'm like, please, I can't go in an ambulance. I know this sounds crazy, but I'm way too claustrophobic for the back of an ambulance. And they're like, look, you probably have bruised ribs, broken ribs, your hips messed up. Something's going on here. We don't know if your lung's going to collapse. Like, it was pretty serious to them. And they're like, we have to get you to the emergency room. You got to come with us. So I went in the ambulance, had a panic attack in the ambulance from claustrophobia. They drugged me up. Now I'm taking selfies with the paramedic. Whole different story. <laughs> I had true, but whole different story. Let me, let me tell you the worst part, though. Here's the worst part of this story. I'm laying on the ground, and, and like, I'm like, I don't know what exactly I did, but I hurt, right? And I can't, I can't inhale. It hurts to breathe. It hurts to breathe still. I couldn't take a breath, so I couldn't breathe very well, and I couldn't talk, and they really didn't want me to. And, and all of a sudden, I hear a paramedic say to my wife, well, how do you fall off the ladder? <laughs> and my wife goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very angry in my mind when I'm hearing this. And I kid you not, here's what I found out. She really didn't know because she hit the garage door button and then looked away to the shoe rack because she was looking for the same pair of shoes I was looking for for our son. She had no idea she had done this. So the, so the paramedic is like, how do you fall off the garage? She goes, I don't know. Maybe you saw a mouse or something. And I hear a giggle. I hear a giggle from somebody in this circle. I don't know if it was her. I don't know if it was a paramedic. I hear this. I don't know. Maybe he saw a mouse or something. <laughs> and I can't talk. I'm laying on the ground. I'm like, she hit me with the garage. She hit me with the door. Don't talk, sir. No, stay still. We don't want you to get hurt. And they're giggling that I might have seen a mouse and jumped off the ladder. It's not right. It's not right. And I'll tell you what's, what's suspect is it wasn't that long ago that we took out a life insurance policy on me. And I can't help but think that for a split second she went, I like him, but... Eh. Like, I don't know, but I can't help but think. What I do know is every time I hear the garage door open right now, I get a little twitch. I'm like, a little, it throws me. All right, we should read the Bible at some point tonight. If you have a Bible, open John chapter 4. There's a guy in John chapter 4, and he would tell you, if we could talk to him today, he would tell you, I got a story. He would say, I got a story, and it's, so, it's one of those stories that you go, come on, no. That's too crazy. Come on. He'd go, yeah. Let's read this, verse 46 and 47. This is part one of a two-part message. We're going to finish this story. I'm going to finish it next week with you guys, so don't miss next week. All right, but let's get this started. Verse 46, this is talking about Jesus. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. 
And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. And three things jumped out at me and I went, I got to talk about these three things before I can get into the rest of the story. So we're going to have to read the rest of the story next week. And the three things that stood out to me is this. He's a royal official. He's in tragedy. And he went to Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about today. He's a royal official. And he's in tragedy. And he went to Jesus. And I, and I started reading. I've been studying this passage for weeks now. And I can't, I can't get past it because I keep, I keep seeing us in this story. Like who we are as individuals that make up the Red Rocks Church family. Because what, what's interesting about this is if you read a lot of Jesus' miracles, a lot of times he does especially healings for people that are down and out. But in, in this instance... This guy's not down and out. He's up and in. Like a lot of times it's people, you know, lame, crippled, blind. They have leprosy because of their defects. They're pushed outside of the city. They have to stay outside of the city and beg for food, beg for change. They have to stay outside of the temple courts, right, and beg for money and beg for food. They're complete outcasts. This guy, he's the opposite. He's a royal official probably works for Herod. He's doing pretty good. And I started thinking about us. And I know our lives aren't perfect. But you could ask people around the world and they would look at us and go, they're doing pretty good. Even on our worst days. Go to some of our Compassion International sites in Haiti or, or uh, Africa where we as a church family sponsor over 2,400 kids and we feed them and clothe them and educate them and tell them about Jesus every single day and look in their neighborhoods where their family members are dying from no food, no access to clean water. Like they would look at us and go, I'd do anything to have that problem. You have food? You can get clean water anytime you want and it doesn't even make you sick? You have a place to sleep? Like we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good around Denver. We're doing pretty good in Brussels, Belgium, and Waterloo. We're doing good, right? We're, we're doing pretty good. Now, we got our bad days, and we all experience trouble. And this guy, same thing. He's got a pretty good life, but he finds himself in tragedy. And I went, well, that's us. Because every single one of us, we know, like, at different times in life and at different degrees, like, we go through tough, tough things, Right? And things happen that we don't understand and things happen that don't make sense and things happen that, that don't seem fair and tragedy strikes. He's a royal official. He's in tragedy. But yet he went to Jesus. And I thought we got to talk about this because truth be told, those of us with pretty good lives, we got our problems, we got our bad seasons and we got our bad stretches, but pretty good lives. See, what happens with us is when we go through bad times, we find all kinds of reasons to do the opposite of what this guy did. And we don't go towards Jesus. We run away from him. And we do this for all different reasons, right? But one of them is we feel disappointment with God. And we don't like to talk about it at church and we don't say it around church people because it doesn't sound very spiritual, but we think it. And we go, well, if he really was paying attention, if he was really on his game, that wouldn't have happened. If he was really a good God, if he was really a loving God, then why would that have happened to me when I was a kid? And why would he have left me? And why would she have left me? And why would they have abused me? And why would have that car crashed? And why would have that person got sick and we could go down the line? 
And we feel this disappointment with God because somehow he should have taken away somebody's free will choice and got me out of there and he should have, but he didn't. You ever felt that? I have. And I think Jesus understood. He knew that we would feel that. He knew that we would be broken people living in a broken world. You know, that's why he came. He came because he wasn't happy with that. He wasn't going to let that stand. He wasn't going to let his kids. That wasn't going to be the end of the story. So because we're broken people living in a broken world, that's why he came to die on a cross to pay the price for our sins so we could put our faith in him and escape the broken world and go to heaven forever. That's why he came. But he said, look, but while you're here and you're in this broken world, pay attention. John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Here it is. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. He's talking about the power that he has, that divine power. He's saying, when I'm in your life, when my spirit is inside of you, when my spirit is active in your life, when you're in my presence and you experience my power, there's nothing this world can throw at you that you can't handle. But here's the thing. You got to be with me to experience it. So don't run away when things go bad, right? Run to me. That's what he's saying. John, John the beloved, the disciple of Jesus who wrote this gospel, this story that he records that we're looking at. See what he's saying to us as a church? He's saying, hey, Red Rocks Church, listen, there was a day and I saw a guy and he had a pretty good life, but he was going through total tragedy. And I saw a guy, he didn't run away from Jesus because of the tragedy. He ran to him and he changed his life forever. See, spoiler alert, for next week, Jesus does a miracle and changes this guy's life, his family's life. And John says, I saw it. And that's what happens if in the middle of really tough times, you don't run away from God, but you run to him. It can happen to you. Sometimes, though, we're tempted to do the opposite, aren't we? Because we feel disappointed with God. We feel disappointed with us. Let's be honest. And we disqualify ourselves, don't we? Like I'm in a really tough thing right now. I'm going through it. And I don't understand it. And it doesn't make sense. And I don't know how it's going to turn out. And, it, and it's, 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 it's killing me from the inside out. And I need God to be involved, but I don't warrant that because I'm just me. Have you seen me? You know me. Those of you who know me, like you know, I'm just not good enough for that kind of stuff. You ever felt that? You ever thought that? At 24 years old, I was a drug abusing, suicidal disaster in life. And, and the truth is, is I watched my mom serve God all while growing up. I knew about Jesus. I knew that he was available. I knew that he could change my life or so I'd heard. I just didn't think I qualified because I was a disaster. But see, the kicker is Red Rocks Church. We got to be careful because that mentality carries over into our Christianity. You can be a Christ follower You've put your faith in Jesus Christ. You believe he's the son of God and he rose from the dead to prove it. And you're, you're going to heaven someday. And here's what happens. You go through a really tough time and you need God's miraculous intervention more than ever. And the truth is, you don't even feel like asking for it because you don't think you're worthy. We find all kinds of reasons to disqualify ourselves, right? I'm just not spiritual enough. 
I don't pray enough, so I can't go ask God for help in this. I haven't even been to church lately. I can't go ask God for this. So we avoid church, avoid church people, anything to do with it. We avoid prayer. We avoid his word. And it's because we disqualify ourselves because we think we're just too messed up. Once I get cleaned up, then I'll go to God. And the writer of Hebrews says, you got it all wrong. You don't avoid God because you're a mess. The writer of Hebrews says, because you're a mess, you run to him. Listen to this. Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace, grace unearned, undeserved favor from God, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us when? In our time of need. Don't wait till you got things figured out. When you're in need, run to him. That's what the writer's saying. When you're a mess, when you've blown it, when you've made a mistake, when nothing makes sense, that's when you go to him, not away from him. And it changes everything. But we avoid it sometimes. Sometimes we're disappointed in God. Sometimes we're disappointed in us. Sometimes, because our lives are just that good, let's be honest for a minute, because our lives are pretty good and we have so much in common with this royal official, sometimes we don't go to God with our lives because we just don't see the point. See, I've been in a field in the middle of Rustenburg, South Africa, where thousands of people live in homes made of trash and 95 plus percentage of the people there are dying of AIDS and their babies are born with AIDS and the whole thing's like, and no one has clean drinking water and the water you can get gets brought in a trailer and then it makes you sick. It's crazy. And I've seen those people press into God in ways that blew me away. Why? Because they're depending on him for water. I got to lean on my creator for food this week. But see, those of us with pretty good lives, we don't have to do that. I don't have to. I got plenty of food at home. I got an endless supply of water. I'm doing pretty good. And so we don't see the point. And we avoid God because, I mean, why do I really need it? And we miss out on everything he has for us. Sometimes it's our pretty good lives that cost us. Back in the day... I had a friend who uh, went to Red Rocks, and, and I mean, the church was small, like maybe, a, I mean, we didn't have multiple campuses. We didn't even have multiple rooms. We had a room, less than 100 people probably. And, and my friend said, he said, you know, I want to invite this friend of mine to church, but I don't really know, like, what to say. I don't, and I was like, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, because honestly, his life's better than mine. I feel like his job is awesome. He makes great money. He's got a great house, has great cars, seems to have a really great marriage, perfect family, gets along with his parents and her parents and the kids seem great. He goes, he goes, I don't know why he would need it. And just for a split second, I was like, man, I hear you. That's a tough one. <laughs> I was like, oh, wait a minute. I'll tell you why he would need it because that's not the point. The point isn't how nice our cars are, our houses are, whether or not he gets even involved in what we're going through today. The point is every single one of us will stand before God one day. And the only thing that will matter that will dictate our eternity is whether or not we put our faith in Jesus and allowed him to forgive us of our sins. And it'll dictate where we go 
to heaven or hell for all of eternity. Like, that's the point. The point is Jesus Christ is the one and only son of the one and only God and the one and only way to heaven. That's the point. And sometimes we miss that. Jesus said it like this. John 14, 6, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He didn't mess around and he didn't make it hard to understand. He said, I'm the only way to heaven. Red Rocks Church, that's the point. That's why we bring our lives to him. That's why we submit to him. That's why we make him Lord. I love to talk about the byproducts of our faith. I love it. I love to talk about the fact that because of our faith, we experience more joy and we experience more peace and he gets involved and he strengthens us and he guides us and he protects us. I love to talk about all that stuff, but understand those are just byproducts. That's the cherry on top. The point is he is the one and only God and we bow a knee to him. For that reason, everything else is cherry on top. But see, sometimes we miss out on that because we got pretty good lives. So what's the point? Jesus said, I'll tell you the point. Because I am the way. And anything else, you'll just miss out. This guy, he, he ran to God in tragedy. And, and we can too. You can too. But know this, that doesn't have to be your story. You can run to God if you're in the middle of tragedy right now and he will accept you with open arms. But that doesn't have to be your story. And what I mean by that is this. You can run to him before tragedy. And it's a game changer. It's way more fun. Way less damaging. One, one of the things that I've had the privilege of experiencing over my break. Excuse me. <clears throat> you guys got me fired up. My seven-year-old son, Ashton, just started playing football. Now, some of you are going to email me and tell me I'm a terrible father. Trust me, I feel enough guilt. You don't need to, but I love it. <laughs> Put the picture up. How do you not love that? Is that the cutest thing in the world? He's a quarterback for his team. They call him Sunshine. <laughs> so he just started playing football, and um, he, they had a preseason tournament. And, and in this preseason tournament, we played against some other second grade teams. And what, I, we, what we realized is, is we're the only team that hasn't already played a year of tackle football. I'm like, what? Kids start in first grade? Like, there's way worse parents than me. <laughs> so we were getting worked, all right? And, and we have two games on Saturday. We're getting worked. Well, my son's a quarterback, and he feels really responsible. So after the first game, they have the team meeting, and my son sprints. Like, I'm like, oh, yeah, didn't run that fast the whole game. He sprints to me. And I can tell, like, he's about to lose it. Like, he's got the tears forming in his eyes, and he goes, let's go to the car. And I was just, that's exactly, I was just like, oh. And I was like, son, what's wrong? And he goes, let's just go to the car. And so we go sit in the car, and he takes his helmet, and he throws it on the ground, and he goes, I want to go home. And he loses it. He starts bawling like huge tears and he's shaking and the whole thing. I'm just heartbroken. I'm like, son, what is wrong? And he goes, I'm not good. I'm not good, dad. I want to go home. Isn't that how some of us feel when it comes to this whole bring your life to God thing? I'm just not good. 
So I can't be here. This can't be for me. I got to take a different route. I got to go a different way. I'm just not good. And it's breaking my heart. And I'm listening to my son. He's crying. He said, Dad, I want to go home. I'm not good. I said, son, you have another game. He says, I don't want to play. I want to go home. I said, you know what? That's just fine. You don't have to ever put that helmet on again. I could care less if you ever play sports. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. I will never love you more than I do right now. I'll never be more proud of you than I am right now. You don't have to do anything for my love. And just so you know, that's how God feels about you right now. But I'm having this conversation with my son and then the coach comes over and he has a talk with him and the coach's like, can I talk to Ashton? And he says, Ashton, don't be upset. Like we're brand new. This is our first game ever. He goes, you're my quarterback. I need you. So Ashton decided that he would stay and play the second game. Well, halftime of the second game, we're standing on the sidelines. And Ashton comes sprinting over to me and he wraps his arms around my legs real tight. And I'm like, oh no, like he's falling apart again. And I get down on one knee and I look in his helmet and he's just got the biggest smile on his face. I was so relieved. He goes, dad, I'm not scared anymore. I love this. And he's like, this is fun. Listen, he can run to me both ways, falling apart or when things are going good. Every time I'll hug him. Every time I'll say, what can I do for you? Every time I'll tell him I love him. He can run to me when it's bad. He can run to me when it's good. But my seven-year-old can already tell you it's a lot more fun to run to the father when things are good. And it's a lot less damaging. And see, that's how it is with God. He'll take us both ways. But you don't have to wait till tragedy strikes to run to God. I have a friend who used to run one of the top countries, one of the top companies, excuse me, in our country. Guy was doing amazing, amazing job, amazing income, amazing house and cars and wife and kids and the whole thing. Like most of us would look at his life and go, that's what I wish I had. Well, what people didn't know is there were drugs in the, in his, in the closet, so to speak, that he was hiding and he had started messing around. And look, I don't judge because I went down the same road. And in fact, I know what it feels like to actually do drugs and feel proud because it's like I can do drugs and nobody knows and I'm good at my job. Some of you, some of you are playing that game. It's only leading to one place. And my friend, he blinked. The drugs took control of him when he always thought he had control of them. And he lost it. He lost everything. He lost his company. He lost all of his money, everything. He lost his home. He lost his wife. He lost his kids. He lost it all. And then he found Jesus. Or I should better say Jesus found him. And he let it happen. And, and God has forgiven his sins. Has redeemed his past. Has a whole new future and plan for him. Miraculously and divinely healed him of a drug addiction. But I can promise you... Amazing testimony, right? I can promise you this. There's not a day that goes by that he wouldn't give everything he has if he could just go back and run to Jesus before the tragedy. See, we don't have to wait until tragedy to run to him. And I couldn't get this out of my out of my, my spirit, like I just couldn't get rid of this thought like that I need to tell some of you, like right now, and you know if this is you, you're on a path and you're letting something be in your life that you know you shouldn't. 
And I think the creator of the universe loves you way too much to let you keep going. And so my job today is to just say, listen, you would do yourself a lot of good to steal some pain from the future. Just think for a second when it goes bad, what it's going to cost you when it gets found out and when it blows up and all the consequences that come. Like steal some pain from the future right now. You don't have to wait until you ruin your marriage to run to Jesus. You don't have to wait till you're in rehab to run to Jesus. Like you don't have to wait. He'll take you both ways. But some of you need to know this. You don't have to wait. That doesn't have to be your story. And it's a lot more fun and way less damaging to run to him now. Listen, students, junior high students that are part of this church family, God's got such big plans for you. High school students, college students, young adults. Listen, in church, sometimes we, we really glorify the testimonies of like the drug addicted, suicidal person that found God and everything's changed. Like that's my story. And we play the videos and we clap and we yell and we scream because I love to remind us that there's nobody that God can't reach. But let me tell you something, young people. The greatest testimony on this planet is I ran to God when I was young and look what I avoided. Look what I saved myself from going through. That's the testimony you want. You don't have to wait till tragedy to run to him. Some of you are in the middle of tragedy right now, in the middle of desperation right now, run to him. And some of you, you have a chance now. Run to him now. He'll take you both ways. But when things are good, it's just easier. Band, you guys can come on up. I've been saying for the last 29 minutes and 41 seconds, <laughs> run to him, right? Run to God. What's that mean? I mean, really? Because one thing that drives me crazy is for us to get all fired up about something at church and then leave church and have no idea what to do with it. Right? I mean, what's that mean? We're going to do laps in here? We're going to do some wind sprints in the parking lot? Like, what are we going to do? How do we run to him? And listen, I've known I was going to talk about this for weeks now. I've been studying this for weeks now. I've been praying that God would help me communicate this for weeks now. And in the middle of me trying to figure out how to share this with you, God has totally changed the way I view this whole thing. Because the truth is, I say run to God, but the truth is, you and I, we do very little running. God does the running. What we do is we wave a white flag, right? Or, or we, we say a, a statement, God, forgive me. God, be with me. For some of us, it's help. We give a, we give a look, we raise a hand, we, just, we signal, okay, God, I'll let you in, and he actually runs to us. That's what I begin to realize. One last football story and we close. <laughs> At one of my son's games, already in this real short season we've had so far, he got hurt in one of the games, and so he came off the field. And in this particular game, we were at a high school stadium, and they had asked us parents to sit up in the bleachers. So I'm up in the bleachers, and I'm watching, and my son got sacked and he, and he got hurt and he thought he broke his arm he was just crying and he comes off to the side and he goes and sits on the bench and he sits on the bench and nobody's on the bench now I want you to picture this but what I really want you to do is think about your life right now your situation right now 
he sits on the bench. The whole game's over there and all his teammates are over there watching and he's just sitting there and he doesn't take his helmet off. And I know why, because I can see his head going like this. He's crying. He doesn't want anyone to see it because he's kind of like us. And sometimes we don't like other people to know that we're hurting and we don't like other people to know that we're struggling. And so we try and hide it. And so my son's sitting on the bench and he's holding his arm. He's got his head down and I, can, I know he's crying. And I know what he's thinking. Like he wants his dad. That's what he wants. Red Rocks Church, do you think my son had to get off the bench, walk through the chain link fence and run up to the top of the bleachers to get me? See, because as a father, I have this ability to let the entire world go fuzzy and just focus on my son. Same way God does for each one of us. And I'm watching him and I know he's crying and he's holding his arm and I know he's hurting. And let me tell you what he does. He did this. He knew I was in the bleachers. He did this. And I sprinted. You can ask my wife. I ran down those bleachers and I ran through the chain link fence and I don't care where parents are supposed to be. And I went and sat on the team bench with my son and put my arms around him and said, but I'm right here. It's going to be okay. He doesn't run to me. He literally gave me one look and I came running. Red Rocks Church, you have a heavenly father right now. No matter what you're going through, no matter how bad you think it is, no matter how good you think it is. You have a heavenly father right now that can't wait to run to you. Give him the chance. Just say a word, give a glance, make a movement, and he will come sprinting to you. Go read Luke 15 with the prodigal son. What happens? The kid's ruined his whole life. He comes home. Does he run to the dad? No, the dad runs to him. And, and as I was working on this message for the last several weeks, I've been calling it in my mind and even on paper, I've been calling it run to him. And you've even seen the words on, on the back screen, run to him. I was driving home from the football game after I sprinted down the bleachers and went and sat with my son on the bench. And, and I felt like God said to me, son, that's how I am with you. See, I thought the whole time I was preparing this message, run to him is a good title, is a fine title. I thought the hymn was God. What I've realized is, in this story, the hymn is the royal official. The hymn is us. He didn't know what he was doing. He just made one move to Jesus and said, will you help me? And what we see John record here, what we're watching, what we're witnessing is the creator of the universe. We're watching, we're watching God run that's what he wants to do with every single one of us and for some of you you need it right this second for some of you it'll be down the road he loves you like crazy he doesn't want to condemn you he wants to forgive you he wants to receive you he wants to accept you he wants to empower you he wants to redeem you we make one move he runs to us let's pray God I thank you I thank you for your son, Jesus, first, that he died on a cross to pay the price for our sins and none of us have ever earned it. We've never deserved it. We've never been good enough for your love. We've never been good enough for your forgiveness. And I thank you so much for it. 
And I thank you, God, that you have a plan and a purpose for every single one of us. No matter where we're watching this from or hearing this from, for every single one of us. And I pray, God, that right now we would begin to experience your presence in an authentic way. That right now, for some of us, we would start to feel the weight come off our shoulders as we're reminded that you are with us, that you'll never leave us, you'll never forsake us, you'll stick closer than a brother, and you have a plan. And I thank you for that, God. With everyone's heads bowed and eyes closed at all locations, I want to ask two questions and just give you a chance to respond to whatever God might be doing in your life right now. The first one is this. You are a Christ follower. You've already put your faith in Jesus. Maybe recently, maybe a long time ago. But right now, you're in the middle of something. And you need, you need your heavenly father to come running, to get involved, to bring you guidance, to bring you strength, to bring you wisdom, to bring you peace. And right now you say, God, I need you. If that's you, raise your hand and I'm just gonna say a prayer for you. A whole bunch of us. The second question is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus right now. But you know inside, you know, you can't explain how you know, you know right now. He's got you a part of this talk for a reason. Not because I'm talking, because he's talking to you. And you know, this is my moment. I need to just make that move and let him run to me. I need to ask him to forgive me of my sins. I need to submit my life to him and ask him to come take over and come take control. Of course, I can't wait for the byproducts. Of course, I I won't say no to peace and joy and, and strength and guidance and his spirit living in me, of course, but more than anything, because I know that he is what he said he is, which is the one and only way to heaven. And I know that right now he is calling me and I need to respond. If that's you, no matter what campus you're at, put your hand up in the air and I'm just gonna pray for you. Put them up, be proud at all of our locations, GBB campuses, keep them up. Brussels, keep them up. God, I thank you that you brought us here together as a church family right now and that you're speaking to every single one of us. I pray first, God, for everybody who said, I just need you, I'm in a tough situation and I need you. God, I pray for grace and strength and mercy. And I pray that we would begin to, uh, to walk out of here different, just knowing, just being reminded that you're with us and you've got our lives under control. And God, I thank you for all the hands that are raised and all the people right now that they don't fully even know what they're saying, but they're saying, I respond to you, Jesus. You're calling me, I say yes. I thank you, God, for the eternal lives that are being changed right now. I thank you for what you're doing. And God, it is our honor as a church family to now spend some time worshiping you for how good you are. We love you in Jesus' name, amen. Red Rocks Church at all of our locations, would you stand up? Let's worship.